Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Charles, the SVP and general manager of identity at Avast. And they discuss how we're moving towards a future where people have total control over their digital identity, the factors that are driving progress in the identity space, and advice on being patient and having more foresight in your career. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. is the Modern CTO Podcast. When I was a kid, I, I just, you know, I fell for NASA. I wanted to be an astronaut and and um, started my my programming when, when I was about 16 on, on, of all things, an IBM 1620 with punched cards and dip switches and the, and the whole bit. But um, as I, as I, was beginning to think about university. Um, it was all focused on avionics. I wanted to go work for an aircraft company, studied control theory, focus, focus, focus. I was going to go work on avionics uh, on an F-16. And I ended up taking a real quirky, odd interview very late in the cycle coming out of engineering school. Uh, and that was a security company doing work with the US DOD. And I was incredibly intrigued uh, both with the company, charismatic leader, and it was almost James Bondland. And so like a like a quick flip, I get into security right out of uh, engineering, and that's been the place I've been working uh, working in since. Those early days were were, were DOD oriented, and and it was basically classified related work, secure communications. Worked on one of the earliest public key systems uh, in the world. Uh, at the time, and then and then really from there we we began to see applicability of this core technology set uh, to to the web, and in uh, kind of ninety four ninety five we began working on e commerce protocols with uh, card with Netscape at the time, um, and that then led to some work that I had done following that. I, I I discovered that there are things like bonuses and stock options and and a place called Silicon Valley, and some really hot, interesting things that were going on. But at any rate, joined a, a spin out of Bankers Trust called Certco that was trying to build a commercial, almost identity authentication system for commercial banking transactions. It was a fantastic approach, but probably be 15 or 20 years uh, ahead of its time. Um, whilst I was there, I, I began having the, the view that, uh, you know, wow, I think I can go start my own company. And I ended up going off and doing that, built that up to about 30 people. Uh, I was intending to do that for security with healthcare on the heels of HIPAA uh, just coming about. And I began realizing that that healthcare community has got a lot to go. But I ended up finding a pivot into the bank card arena uh, and ended up doing a, a great deal of work with security authentication for, for bank cards over, over the internet. The real, uh, the real digital identity work began in, in 2012. I, I joined a Toronto startup. Uh, as the CEO, and that was really building out a federated authentication and identity system uh, that's dominantly used as national infrastructure in Canada right now. You can file your taxes, uh, create a new uh, apartment lease, or open up a new bank account using this this service that's that's still operating. I'd taken a little bit of time off in um, you know right after that, uh, and then ultimately joined Mastercard. Uh, there was a CEO initiative going on at Mastercard to build a new set of rails uh, looking at the topic of digital identity. And it's been about four years there 
building a business called ID. Um, and, and, and that involved work with, with Microsoft, with Samsung, and, and, and early entry into a number of markets. Um, just completely, completely fascinating at the time. And, and um, all through that time, from probably 93, when that uh, on the internet, no one knows you're a dog cartoon was published, uh, I've been passionate this problem of how to, how to do things better. So that's kind of my story. I've recently joined Avast in, in, in June, a, a really hot, innovative company, and uh, very excited about that. What caused you, I'm going to talk a little bit about like MasterCard and JP Morgan stuff, but I'm curious first, what caused you to like want to join Avast? You could go anywhere. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and um, you know, what, I, what I'd have to say is, a, you know, a company that for 30 plus years has been at the kind of the forefront of securing uh, people's devices and in a mode now of saying, you know, the next generation, the next challenge is helping people to secure their data and to secure their, their identity. I really came to know the, the CEO and the management team, a, a very tech-oriented, tech-focused company, real proactive drive. The, the, the CTO has been doing great work in the area of, of ethical AI. And, and I'd say, uh, you know, a, a real tech culture, more than 50% of the people within, within the company are, are in engineering. And, and that's really where my affinity has been. And, and uh, I just felt it was a really good fit. Are the founders still hanging around? The founders are not. They're they're both still on the on the board of the company, and and uh, you know they take they take great interest in in, in what's going on. But they're they're not. Our, our CEO has got a fascinating story, having begun at, at the company uh, twenty five years ago as a as an intern, and and really grew into the CEO role with with both the technical smarts, the business savvy, um, I'd say the passion for the topic, and 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 the longevity, which helps too. So from intern to CEO. It's just really a fantastic story and one of the most brilliant people I've had the, the pleasure to, to meet and work with. Oh, this is great. I want to talk a little bit. Um, you said MasterCard. I injected JP Morgan because I got to do a series of interviews with different financial organizations that were like emerging technology, as well as ones that have been around for a long time, like you know JP Morgan. And one of the things that I found really interesting um, was that they all seemed super technologically advanced and not scared to make investments and having really great technology cultures. And I don't usually see that across like an entire sector. Usually there's like one or two people that stand out, um, but they seem to all really be pushing the boundaries. Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely agree, Joel. I mean, I, you know, you take a, you take an organization in the, the financial services uh, uh, arena these days and, and they just tech tech is uh, central. It's, it's the backbone of, of these companies. And, and so both, both organically driving it and, and being acquisitive is, is pretty key to those sorts of organizations. And a, a number of them, the ones that will win will, will be the ones that do the best at it. One of the tough things for, for frankly, for any organization is to begin thinking in a, a, a little bit over the horizon with a lot of creativity and to begin going where others haven't go as you've probably known and in starting up your own company, you took I'm sure some some real risks with with both your personal life and your business because you believed in something, and 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 gaining or getting uh, to that that level of of innovation of passion and drive is a really important thing I I think in organizations these days. So to to be great at tech, you also have to be entrepreneurial in my opinion. And uh, really, the good large companies 
uh, in the financial services companies that have fostered innovation and entrepreneurship are, are really the ones that I think are going to win. Yeah, you make me think. Um, when I started this company, my wife was like nine months pregnant, and I didn't have any income because I had just sold like uh, my share in like a financial software I had built, and it was I didn't really realize how scary it was until somebody said something to me around Christmas time. So I started in like September, <laughs> and then yeah. around Christmas time when we were hanging out with family, like, wow, man, that's really you know crazy that you did all of that. You have the kid, and all of a sudden it just like made me work a thousand times harder because I realized how crazy it was. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say, you know, a, a number of real, uh, I'd say, interesting lessons. It, it, it was a, a, a great lesson when I ran my company, got up to about 30 people, uh, but I fueled the company myself. And and we, we got um, my partner, we got to the end of the year one year and it's like, oh, gee, we each have to put 500K into this company to kind of get to uh, next next quarter. And, and it all ended up working out real fine. But but there was a big, big, big gulp at that point. So I, I, I got my MBA in cash flow in about uh, two hours that, that December. I think it's so funny when I hear people talking about like college and business school. I mean, there's definitely something to be said, and it's important that those things exist. But there is nothing like having your entire survival ride on it if you don't figure it out <laughs> well it, it 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 when you're when you're rowing the boat yourself um it it makes things real so for people who i guess haven't ever used the internet can you explain what avast is that haven't used the internet who, who who's that cool? <laughs> that's the only the only way that you would not know Avast. Like when I saw it, I had to double take. I was like, is that the is that the security company? Is that the antivirus software? And I was super happy when I saw the episode come up on my on my production schedule. Yeah. No, no, indeed. I mean, uh, again, the company's been around for 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 quite a number of years, 33 years, in fact. It got going in 1990, uh, 1988 in uh, in Prague. And um the, the founders were were really passionate technology people who who really wanted to, to sort issues of, of antivirus to do that in a manner that was free to people. So they started really, really grassroots, really aimed at, aimed at people and, you know, built a, a, a really strong, uh, strong culture. So it, it, AV is a, is a key part of what, what we do today. The company interestingly claims, uh, uh, you know, 435 million people are around the globe that, that, that use its products. And it's extended beyond that into into VPN, privacy-related products, password uh, password management, uh, secure browsers, and, and and related spaces. But all in the category uh, of helping uh, people to protect their their device and protect their interaction. Privacy has been a, a a really important push for the company to date, and and had made a decision late last year to begin evolving uh, the business not only. In some sense, um, playing a bit of a defense uh, around people and their devices, but to, to begin empowering people. Uh, this notion of, of digital freedom we, we see to be particularly important, and we see digital identity is quite quite essential to that. And and so um, had begun some some study work in the early part of the year, and and at that point had had concluded that um, they really wanted to make a big push. They wanted to hire a general manager. Again, I was. I was quite humbled uh, to have been selected to come in and run that that new business, and uh, you know I'm now nearly six months six months in, in in driving it. I love it. That's awesome, man. What like two or three talking points do we want to make sure that we hit about Advast? We talked a little bit about what they do. Is there any other things that we want to definitely make sure that we hit? 
Well, I, 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 you know, I think we want to we want to talk about you know why why identity why is that important the role that we're going to play you know related related to identity and you know why do we become a winner in the field? Okay, identity is pretty ambiguous. Help me out with that. Yeah, so uh, it, it 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 is Joel, and and in a lot of ways, I I would tend to define identity, or in this case, digital identity, as that collage of information uh, about myself. And and when we think about our interactions online, um, we we could go in and become quite anonymous, or we could confirm that I'm actually a live human being. And, and if we had that confirmation or signal, that's a that's a piece of digital identity. And there's some good places to know or good reasons to know I've got a live human being out there, or I've got somebody that's over 21 or over 55, uh, or that um, that it's actually Charlie, and Charlie is actually confirmed to live at that address, or that um, I actually do have a visa to enter Australia, or my COVID health status is fit to fly, or I'm a certified pilot, or my income level is between X and X. So I look at this set of, we'll call it, uh, data items or or attributes or what turn out to be assertions as as data items that are verified by an authoritative third party brought together this collage of assertions in essence this this basket of of verified claims about who or what I am is what I refer to as digital identity I like it and how does that express itself in avast products well, it's a it's a it's a new area for us, Joel. Um, the company uh, today, we're my my business was just really formed in June, and we're in the midst of of really both both defining strategy and then building out a, a product set. So we don't have released or announced products yet in the area, uh, but we will in 2022. Ooh, that's exciting! I always like the stuff we can't talk about. <laughs> So you came in to lead, basically create this business within Avast. Correct. Correct. Oh, that's awesome, man. I like that. That's super cool. So what challenges are you facing? Like as, as a leader building something from scratch within a big organization? Yeah. So, so first off, you know, doing this in a, in a company like Avast with, with strong security, technology, privacy, DNA, certainly makes life life easier right and that that was an important thing um, that's number one number two our, our CEO is is pushing for this 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 is not like uh, Charlie invented this wonderful idea and I brought it to the CEO and the board and 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 please let's look for some funding and go build this out this was the other way around this was really the CEO and the the board of Avast wanting to go after this this field so those are the things that that I'd say are have been made uh, made easy and and are very uh, supportive uh, of we're building a new business we're building a new team so uh, as you probably know in tech you got to have a group of people that just absolutely sing and connect and so as we begin to grow both organically and inorganically and we will grow in both ways getting that cultural alignment getting the the teams of of product and research and and development and and ops and marketing and privacy and security and commercial people all very aligned is is going to be a key thing. Um, we think that we're actually approaching this in a in a in a manner that's that's actually a, a, a bit unique when you when you think about it. We're we're a tech company. We're we're a good sized tech company. I, I wouldn't classify us as a 
as a big tech company, a la a, a Silicon Valley big tech company that we read about in the news. And that coupled with our posture to be the user's advocate, which is always what we've done throughout all of our history, all the way back. Our core business is about providing products to people and to small businesses. We, we are generally not selling into enterprises. And so that DNA of, of, of really working on the, the user, the consumer, the citizen's behalf has been a key part of, uh, part of what we do. So we think as a, as a, as a tech company, with security focus, with a user's interest at heart, we're kind of approaching this identity area in a in a super strong way. We we think we're positioned really really well. That's another thing that's 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 really kind of helping us along. But it's a new area for us, and um, you know we're 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 all working really hard to get the business up and going right now. I've always been interested to know like how you can tell that I am me. <laughs> You know, it's really hard. And I've been watching it sort of like a first I am me because I have my username and password, but then it gets more complicated than that. Right. Then it's like, oh, I'm me because I have my username and password and I can authenticate through my mobile device that's connected to me. Uh, And then it just gets more and more and more complex, you know, from my card not working sometimes if I travel and like sometimes when I'm traveling way too much, like it'll just stop working because I did some series of actions <laughs> that set that off and then yeah, I have to call yeah. them up. Um, so like there are so many things in inside of identity. Did they like when the board approached you or when you were approached about doing this, did they have like a specific vision, like a specific area of identity that they wanted to address? Or were they just like, Charlie, come in. We know we want to do something with identity. Tell us like what we should be doing for identity. How did that go? Yeah. So so the first thing, it, it, it was not identity for enterprises because that wasn't the DNA of the company, right? It was really identity for, for consumers. It wasn't about physical identity. It was about digital because that's the that's the space that the company's in. Um, but in a lot of ways, it it it, it was um, let's go find a, an approach that that helps people better interact digitally, right? So so that was kind of the frame or the problem set that I was presented in, and and then went off to to really work work strategy from there. As I mentioned in this topic of collage. There's no silver bullet, Joel. Right? I mean, there's no silver bullet that that confirms that you're you, and and we end up having really matters of the data that we're trying to confirm. So, as I described earlier, if I were trying to confirm live human being, there's a certain things I, I I might do. If if we were trying to confirm, is it really Joel to open up a new bank account? We we may look to a a government identity document or check a government database or do two of those. Um, we might look as well for for information from a from a, a credit file. Uh, you might look for some in market uh, related activity um, activity within a bank account or a utility bill. Um, if you're trying to confirm, uh, do I have a visa to enter Australia? So that's a piece of identity data that's only really. Uh, answered by the Australian uh, border force. So you got to go ask the question and to say, does Joel have a visa that's active? It's really Joel out there. Is this actually active? So the techniques that are applied are very much related to to use case. Um, Some of this does come down to uh, biometric-based information and how it compares to a legal identity document or a, a, a government agency that may have biometric data. So that's kind of one, and increasingly it will come down to 
dynamic data about how you interact in the market, your your activity, uh, this mapping of of your name to a, an address from from Amazon or, or FedEx over the course of a year or two might suggest that that your address is uh, is X, Y, or Z. So it's a it's a it's really this building this collage. There's not one size that fits all. Uh, if I'm conducting a, a transaction with a, a relatively low level of 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 expectation or assurance, there's certain things you may do. And if you're trying to be more sophisticated uh, about a transaction, doing a million dollar wire transfer, um, you you may do some additional checks. So this 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 bundling of assurance level, the data, the the checks um, into a almost a, a policy frame is the essence of the the engine that we will put in place for for identity verification. I like it. I've got two questions and you can decline to answer them if you want, because they're kind of in this area and I don't want to hit on something too sensitive. The first one is, you know, as you're talking and you're, you're putting together this team and you're doing it within this organization that doesn't have a, a public like mission, right? As far as like, we're this team and we're going to build this product. It's not like public information. Do you have any challenges with recruiting people? How do you handle is it any, I've never had to do that before. So I don't know. Is it any different than recruiting a normal position or? Yeah. So a, a couple things I, 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 I'm, and I want to clarify, we, we've not announced a product that we've got out in market, but what we have done is we've expressed a, a vision for what we're going after that we're trying to enable people and their digital freedom. Uh, we're intending to build a, a capability, a product that I might call a smart digital agent. So uh, a software answer that works on my behalf, that will help me to authenticate to end destinations, that will help me manage that basket of, of digitally signed objects and to present them, to keep track of, of where, I've, where I've gone. Uh, if, I, uh, if I find that of the 100 or 150 digital relationships that that likely you and I both have out there and and your address is changing, it would be kind of nice to hit a button and, and just say, hey, changed address and boom, the digital agent takes care of the rest under my control to go change my address at places where, where I interact with. If I want to go open up a, a, a new bank account or, or, or confirm other details in an insurance relationship, or I'm going to go become an Uber driver, would be really nice to, to do that in a more simplistic way and to hold information about where I've been. So, so that's the, the level of, of discussion that we tend to have with, with people. We, we see that this um, really is, is, is following the identity industry in the category of decentralized identity or what's called self-sovereign identity. So people understand what that's all about. And it's actually a, a pretty exciting space. So we, we've not had, I'd say, difficulty at all. In fact, just the, the counterpart of, of, of creating excitement on, uh, on folks coming into the company. Have you been following uh, what Sir Tim Berners-Lee is doing with Solid? I, I, I have and, and, and had had some, some, some conversations with, with he and, 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 and John at, at Interrupt uh, as, as they were first getting started. I don't want to comment about our product or their product because that's, that, that's kind of a different matter. But, but many of the principles that, that are described about kind of giving back the semantic web, web 3.0, decentralized finance, th these are all spot on 
the space and the area that, that we're working and really trying to create a, a trust uh, layer, a trust framework using digital identity uh, for, for, for people. I think we're trying to do this in a manner that, that, that says you got to go bridge the world as it exists today, right? We're, we're not going to change the world. We're not going to go rewire um, right out of the box how things work. So we've got to figure out how to begin bridging from the world that exists today which does work to a very centralized paradigm to one that is more decentralized and, 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 and ideally to do that out over time. And it will be through innovative customers and innovative partners that begin operating this way. So in, in, uh, but you've got a lot of respect for, for what they're, what they're trying to do with solid and, and it interrupt as well. Yeah. I got to talk with them and like two of them and they, they sort of explained it to me. Like I was a child, <laughs> I, was, I was like, teach me, help me understand this. And what's been interesting about it is like, I don't see it as a direct like competitor, what you're doing. Cause I don't know the exact product you're doing, but in, in concept, what I've been seeing, cause you know how you'll talk to a bunch of different people and like this pattern will start to emerge this concept of putting the data and the power back into the consumer's hand and, and making it easy for them to control things tends to be where the industry is headed as a whole. Cause I just keep seeing project after project after project, with that sort of at its core. Yeah, no, ex exactly. Joel, let me, let me give you an example. Cause I, I, and I, I, um, you know, within a vast and colleagues and so on, really trying to bring this right down to, to the world today and you know do we conduct decentralized identity transactions today right it's a very esoteric statement um but it, it struck me i was i was in uh, i was in canada a few weeks ago and and in canada if you want to go into a restaurant you, you actually have to confirm your your covid vaccination status that's number one so you need two shots and you need to kind of demonstrate that you've you've actually been vaccinated number one Number two, um, you've actually got to prove that it's uh, that that uh, credential belongs to you. And, and I ended up conducting physically a, a decentralized identity transaction as I was going into that into that restaurant. So the first thing I did was I, I, I took out my phone and my iPhone that had a, um, uh, a COVID credential and a QR code. So I presented that number one and the, the hostess said, oh, OK, beautiful, uh, Charlie Walton. I see that. Can I see your passport? Here's my passport, Charlie Walton. The face on the passport matched this face. And then I was allowed access. I, I got in. So think about that. Neither I nor the hostess needed to go up to any platform or any account structure anywhere to do that. My credentials were portable. My passport and my COVID credential on my device and I presented them under my control, under my terms. I knew what was going on. And we were able to consummate that access transaction. So that idea of decentralized presentation of identity is really what this topic is all about. And it fits very well with Tim Berners-Lee's uh, vision as well. I don't need to go to centralized structures. I don't need to go to big platforms to conduct transactions. That's what this whole thing is about what what's going on you know we talked a little bit about miguel and like you know how he's doing smart cities we we were talking a little bit about legacy and that made me think of like policy what are how are governments responding to this sort of shift yeah so 
uh, I'd say it's different around the world. You know, when you you you, you, you take a look at it, it markets uh, markets in the world. You know, we've got different lineups, different involvements of 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 government. You know, I'll give you the example of of Singapore. They've 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 rolled out a a national digital identity scheme called SingPass. Everybody in the country uses it. Great utility. It's super. But again, a small pace place, a certain type of government there. They've they've really excelled. It's 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 almost like Singapore Inc. It's a it's a tech oriented government, GovTech at in Singapore. Um, we we've then seen you know government in the U.S. that that through NIST that's done some fantastic work on on setting standards and frame. Uh, but the federal government is really not stepping up to to create framework or design anything like uh, what's what's going on in Singapore. I think one of the best examples, frankly, is is, is within the European community, um, where where we've seen um, government taking points of view, uh, quite quite rightly, about privacy with 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 GDPR. So I, I think GDPR was the starting point. In, in beginning to say, you know, guys, time out. We need to be doing a little bit better about people's data, uh, how you treat people, and so on. And, and that's dovetailed into an initiative that that the um, the European Commission has had to create Pan Europe digital identity. But this digital identity was a very small bit of the basket we've talked about, just five basic fields, and and it was. Um, part of an initiative called EIDAS. So it's a, an electronic identity uh, scheme. And it, and it had limited use. It was for government transactions only. And if you think about yours or, or, or my interactions with government, yeah, you do, but not very often. There's lots of other private sector things that that uh, that are taken to bear. So, so the commission really began some work that consulted industry last year and, and have come out with a a, a frame for 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 almost a, a a digital identity capability that's that's serving not only government but serving private sector as well, and that's all built on these principles I've described on uh, of, of decentralized identity and self sovereign identity. So I I think the European Community is is doing a a great job at trying to uh, bring to bear answers with the private sector that will will serve Europeans and ultimately serve their interactions even outside of Europe. Um, so I, I, I think that's some some pretty cool work. You might know or may be aware that the, the, the government in India had rolled out uh, a biometric-based identity system called Adahar uh, many years ago. And, and, and so what, what that involved was to say, let's, let's go take Charlie's biometric data, we'll put the, the big data structure and we'll use that as a way of identifying people as as national infrastructure. So that that was a very very different uh, way of 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 coming to bear. I mean, a, a, probably a very difficult one to imagine would occur here or, or or UK or other other places like that. So we've seen varying approaches: light touch, no touch, heavy touch, and different tech answers to to dealing with these topics of identity. I, I love what the European community is is about to do. And and that'll be an important area right in our backyard, as as you know, we're we're Prague headquartered and in London listed, uh, right in our backyard. That we're we're going to play pretty heavily there. That's pretty cool. It almost sounds like these smaller countries that can adopt quicker will move the technology forward faster and figure out all the little issues, and then larger countries can adopt it. Yeah, in in indeed. But I I, I think that that's been true. What I've observed, though, is 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 in some sense 
um, no one's an island or no country's an island really any longer. And, and this idea of providing people with tools that, that just work kind of around the globe are really, really important. And that one's not been tackled yet. And that's a big area for us to tackle. And it's also an area that plays, plays our strength. We're, you know, we've got, got great involvement customers in 50 plus countries are around the globe. Um, we've got a real global mentality to, to what we do. And, and we're going to be bringing answers that are, that are globally relevant. So how, how do you begin stitching together, let's say, good identity in Singapore with, with identity in Indonesia? How, how do you work cross-border between Canada, the U.S., Mexico, U.K.? Um, and you've got many identity problems that, that you're faced with students that, that, that go abroad, business-oriented uh, uh, interactions, you know, people that, that relocate. Um, I don't know if you've had any friends that have either moved to Europe or moved here from mm. a, another oh, yeah. place. But dealing with identity matters, taking out a, a new car loan, opening up a bank account, getting a credit, credit. card. Tough, really, really credit tough. Score. Yeah, All anchored down in identity because there's not good local uh, identity answers for those people so you got to begin working cross-border and this will begin to help that yeah for sure i was actually just talking about this the other day one of my daughter's uh friends that they would do like play dates with they're from the uk and so they were talking with me about like all the process that they went through in order to establish you know credit over here and all of that and it wasn't just super simple like you would imagine we don't think about it because we're in like at least me i don't think about it because i'm in the country i was born in but it was interesting to hear and when i hear those things i just see money <laughs> i just see like there's there's people are going to solve that problem and make a lot of money solving these problems and making it easier and removing that resistance for consumers no exactly and you know another area in it and it's a I, I, I find it a, a challenging one is, is, a, is in remittance payments, you know, where, where you, you, you've got, you know, a person who's, who's kind of gone abroad, seeking work, working three jobs, sending money home and, and, and paying uh, ungodly percentages for, for the privilege of, of doing that. And, and, and very honestly, this, this area of, of decentralized finance, tying that with, with identity to solve a problem like that. Boy, you could you could take a small fee for that, but you're you're not dealing with XX percent of a you know of the the thousand dollars or the three hundred dollars that's being sent back home. You know, there's DeFi. I like that you mentioned it. There are so many different technologies and different sectors making such huge advancements. It's literally my full time job, and I can't even grasp like a sliver of it. It's a tough one. There's a lot of stuff going on, and again the. You know the the semantic web work that that Tim Tim Berners Lee got started. Stuff around this fuzzy envelope of of Web 3.0 in the identity community. It's it's really been work on this Linux Foundation standards group called Trust Over IP, the DeFi uh, you know initiative. There's there's just pockets of work going on, and and we've been noodling on how how, how do you begin getting a, a little better united and more collaborative about creating trust layer for many of these things and that's that's kind of kind of key we think we, we think if you can go go lick that trust layer with good digital identity that's that's sensitive to people that's ethical um you we we've, we we let uh, lots and lots and lots of different applications begin to bloom now one thing i'm really excited to ask you you've been doing this since like 96 right like 
over 20 years identity. You've been in the identity space for a long time. Is that right? Yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah. So like go back to 1996, Charlie, <laughs> what was he imagining the industry of identity would look like in 20 years? And then what did it actually end up becoming? How did those align or not align? So I, 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 I'd say that there's, there's, there's many notions that are around today that, that existed back then. I'd, I'd, I'd have to confess that, that there's a, a, a lot of things that we might describe as innovative today that, that, that really were constructs way back, way back then. You know, it's turned out that, that just using that login and password is just so darn easy. And, and it's almost like we've, we've needed to let the problem set and the pain catch up with the answers. So that's largely what I've seen. That the tech has shifted. We've we've got um, you know great examples of using you know ledger technology as as, as under under uh, underpinnings to to systems and all that stuff's new. But but largely the techniques you know are about using the equivalent of a cryptographic token for authentication. They're beginning to use digitally signed objects to represent your digital identity. That stuff had been a around way back then. I just don't think the problem set was was worthy enough. And that that's what we've all grown into. You know, $700 billion of identity fraud on a on an annual basis, $35 billion in card not present fraud. That is, you know, you've you've captured my identity and you're buying stuff online in my name, or you're claiming you never got the new shovels from gardenshop.com or the or the uh, subscription sir, 35 billion a year. So these problems are come becoming more more and more pronounced. And people's use of devices, I've got lots more devices right now. I got a lot more relationships to deal with, I've got a lot more data. The pandemic has just driven digital crazy, right? You just have to look at some of the stats on how digital commerce has grown, remote education has grown, remote government interaction, remote health, three really key areas where knowing uh, the identity of the person you're dealing with and their attributes are, are really key. So I think, Joel, we're starting to get to the point where the, the fracture is here, where much of the stuff that's been envisioned might finally be the right time. We, we may finally, 30 years later from that dog on the internet cartoon, be, be at a stage where we were able to do something about it, or at least I, I hope so, or I believe so. I've got so many things I want to talk with you about, <laughs> um, but we're coming up on time. So I really wanted to get this question. We're working on a, on a new book and mm. we're working uh, on a chapter for communication over the next like two weeks. So I've been asking guests, you know, from a communication perspective, what's like your best insight or advice or thoughts about communication? This is in the media communication, personal communication, business communication. Uh, sorry, I forgot because like leadership, like when you're leading people, communicating while leading people. Yeah. I, I, I suppose I'll, I'll give you a few of my, uh, my viewpoints. I, I, I've really come to the, come to the view and belief that, that as a leader, I'm, I'm, I'm really there to serve the people that, that, that I'm leading and, and, and really to knock down barriers, to give them the opportunity to, to succeed, frankly, to do that with, with good humor. As we all know, if we're not having fun in what we're doing, it's just not going to work, right? So, so I'd say leading by serving, leading with with humor, 
leading with, with clarity, being fair, being honest, being direct. If you got bad news, pass the bad news. So you got good news, pass the good news and do that, do that in, in equal measure. Be open, be transparent. Those are probably a few of the things that it, that at least um, I end up using, uh, you know, in, in the way I've led over the, over the past, past 20 years. And I'm, I, you know, I'd have to confess I'm still learning. Always, man, because it's constantly changing. You can't not be learning. The variables are just in dynamic all the time. Um, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give a new leader that's, let's say, let's actually bring this, I want, I want to be more specific. Let's say we go back to 1996, Charlie, again, what's the one piece of advice you'd give him? Uh, that I'd give Charlie back in 96? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably uh, probably a little bit more uh, more patience. Um, I, I, I was um, I'm passionate, excited, pushing right now, but but boy, it was almost on steroids back uh, back 20 years ago. And so some of it is 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 using a bit of patience and 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 maybe a a, a bit more foresight in in kind of planning things out. So I I, I suppose uh, I suppose that was it. A little bit little bit more patience. Yeah, I feel you. That's my big thing. And I've noticed I'm extremely impatient. And I've noticed that just recently, I'm 34 for context, um, which is when I saw it was like in 88, I was like, oh man, the company was started the year I was born. But um, what I've noticed is like through my 20s and starting to enter my 30s, that it actually is becoming easier to be patient. Uh, exactly. I've, I found that as well. Um, I, I do think that there's, there's, there's measures and, and, times of, 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 as well playing that right. We're, we're at a time right now where I'm, I'm probably as impatient as I've been in a long time to, to push this business along. Right. Cause I can almost taste it. I, I, I think we're going to, we're going to begin hitting this really, really big over the next couple of years. And, um, I'm just pushing, pushing very hard again with, with good humor and, you know, and the smarts and a, and a, and a great team. But, um, I, I, I think playing the, the patience card, it's, it's almost the wisdom to, to know when to push and, and, and when not to. Oh yeah. And it's a hard one to talk about too, because it's highly yeah. subjective. Like when we say patience, you got a whole spectrum of people with different patience levels, listening and taking it differently. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.